talking about the gift of God's wisdom. So we have been graced with not only the grace of God, but with a confident assurance and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We've not only been blessed with a peace that surpasses all understanding, but God has also been made wisdom unto us. I want to share this verse with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. And so, uh, well, we can, yeah, go ahead. Let me read it from the Amplified. It but it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, revealing his plan of salvation and righteousness, making us acceptable to God and sanctifying, making us holy and setting us apart for God, for God and redemption, providing our ransom, the penalty for our sin. I just think that that verse is so power-packed, but I just want to focus on the, the, the first sentence there when it says that, but it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. Thank God for wisdom. Amen. Jesus has been made wisdom unto us, and it's important for us to, to be able to receive that, to open up our hearts and our minds, and, and to re receive the reality that Jesus has been made wisdom unto us. So with that thought in mind, let me read today from Matthew chapter 2, verses uh, uh, 1 through 12, and it's the, the visit of the wise men. Beginning at verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the, day, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Verse 7 says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. This is the one that has been made wisdom unto us. So the wise men are going to go looking for wisdom. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that, had, that, had, that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. Another way. So we have the wise men looking for wisdom. And so I wanted to spend a few moments in identifying who these wise men were that are looking for the one that has been made wisdom unto us. First of all, it's doubtful that they were the three camel-riding travelers known as we three kings, right? 
So it's doubtful that they were the camel-riding travelers we usually see portrayed in, 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 in Christmas artistry. Uh, I know the song that says, We Three Kings of Orient are, but that doesn't make it truth. That doesn't mean it's, uh, it's accurate. Uh, most likely, it was a band of travelers, probably at least 50, if not more, but nonetheless, I, I don't think it was only three of them. And so, who were they? Who were these wise men? Well, just a real quick synopsis. I can't go into great detail. It would take uh, entirely too long this morning, but uh, we have from Bible history uh, shows us that they came from the land of Medes and Persia, which occupied the land east of Palestine, which is the modern-day Iran. Uh, these priests, uh, they, uh, these wise men were priests of a cultic religion of ancient Persians, and they were very active within Babylon and Mesopotamia. Uh, they were monotheistic, they, they believed in one God. Uh, their principal element of worship for these wise men was fire. They had an altar that, uh, with a perpetual flame, which they believed originated in heaven. They practiced sorcery, wizardry, divination of dreams, practiced witchcraft, and also were very astute in astrology. Basically, they were occult practitioners. They were scholars, wise men of their time. Their teachings became known as the law of the Medes and the Persians, and this, this law of the Medes and the Persians was, was considered the uh, highest and unalterable law of the land. And we have this recorded in Scripture in Daniel chapter 6. We see it, uh, uh, several re uh, references to it. I don't know if you can pull that up. Right? Daniel chapter 6 and verse 8 says, Now, O king, establish the injunction, and sign, this is when Daniel was, being, was in trouble for praying when he was not supposed to be praying. All right, so, so the other people got around and trying to get the king to really decide what kind of punitive action they would take against Daniel. So in that conversation, it says, Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. That's one reference. Chapter, uh, verse 12 has another one. The same chapter, Daniel chapter 6 and verse 12. So then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The king stands fast according to the... the the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians. Again, which cannot be altered. There's one more reference I'll give you from verse 15. Daniel 6 and verse 15. These, then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Now, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. So these were ordinances and laws that were developed by the wise men of the day, these occult practitioners, the scholars of their time. And, and so uh, I want you to keep that in mind because these are the individuals, these are the wise men that are coming to look for the one that Scripture tells us has been made wisdom unto us, the one that is the wisdom of God revealed to us. The wise men of the land are searching for him. Now, 
So the, the law is the highest and unalterable law. They were esteemed for their wisdom. That These individuals were very prominent in positions of, 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 of prominence in, in, in Babylon, in, per, in, in Persian, and in the Greek empires, infiltrated, very, very much in, involved in it. They were um, advisors to the kings of their time. They were interpreters of dreams and divining wisdom through the occult magic. Uh, the book of Daniel, again, when you, when you read the book of Daniel in, in, in chapter 1 and in, in chapter 2 and chapter 4 and also in chapter 5, there's references in, in, in these chapters, uh, references the wise men uh, serving in King Nebuchadnezzar's court. And this is an important clue for us today in understanding how these wise men of the land, even though they were being occult practitioners and had all these other uh, interesting things that they were involved in, we have a clue here from these individuals serving within Nebuchadnezzar's court because we see here... Uh, as a result of this, it, it helps us to understand how they knew to anticipate. How did they know to anticipate the birth of Jesus Christ? I mean, they certainly weren't followers of the true God, but they had, they had a knowing. And how did they know? Well, it's interesting. It's interesting because we also know from history that in 587 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king of Babylon, destroyed Israel and the temple taking the nation into Babylonian captivity. This is all re recorded in history. And we see from that particular story, this is recorded again in the book of Daniel, it records that when King Nebuchadnezzar had taken Israel into captivity, that while in captivity, he had, he had chosen among the Israelite young men, the wisest and, and the strongest, he had chosen, handpicked them, to serve within his court, and he had taken them within his court and had spent three, uh, invested three years in training them in, 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 in their way, of, in his way of government, in his way of doing business. Daniel, which was where we have the book of Daniel, Daniel was one of those young men taken into captivity, and he was one of those young men that was chosen by Nebuchadnezzar to serve within his court. But the good news is we have from uh, in the first chapter in verse 8 in the book of Daniel, we have the statement that says that Daniel purposed in his heart not to become defiled, not to defile himself. And so he purposed not to be defiled by King Nebuchadnezzar's command, but he did it with honor. He, he did it with respect. He did it very wisely. He was a very wise young man. And ironically, making this commitment in his heart, Daniel made a very early and a very favorable impression on the king by doing what his other wise men that were training Daniel the ones that were training up Daniel to be interpreters of dreams and to be serving within the king's court and to be advisors in, in the government, Nebuchadnezzar, <clears throat> uh, he had a dream and it caused him to be troubled in his spirit and he called upon his wise men to, to recall the dream and to interpret the meaning of the dream to Nebuchadnezzar and they could not do it. They tried their best, but they just could not summon up this dream that the king had, and therefore they couldn't interpret it. The king became very angry, and he ordered that all the wise men within his court be killed, including Daniel, all of them. 
So the good news is, the good news is, Daniel asked God for wisdom. The one who has been made wisdom unto us. He asked God to reveal the dream. God made the dream known to Daniel. Daniel interpreted the dream to the king and basically spared not only his life, but the life of all the other wise men. Spared their lives. And so as a result of that, Daniel continues to grow in favor with the king. And he is promoted over the entire province of Babylon. And he became the chief administrators over all the wise men in Babylon, on, in Nebuchadnezzar's court. He became their chief administrator. They were training him. Now he is the one that's in charge. So we can see, we have a clue here as to, as to what's taking place. And it stands to reason that, that uh, Daniel, when he sees this opportunity to instruct the wise men, that he is instructing them that in, in training the, the wise men in the way that they were training him, he was training them, but he purposed not to defile himself. So while in training them, he is also interjecting wisdom about the true and the living God. And history reveals, we know that when King Cyrus decreed permission for the return of the Jews after their captivity, that many of the Jewish people remain in Babylon. They remained there. They made that decision to stay there. And history also records that many of the Babylonian and the Persian high-ranking offices had at least part Jewish ancestry. And so many of the old, so we can believe from this, I believe from this, and I, I believe it's very reasonable to, to accept this as, as wisdom from God and truth, is that many of the Old Testament teachings found their way into the teachings of the wise men through Daniel being their chief administrator. So wise men inherits court. That's who, that's who we have here in, in, uh, in Matthew coming to search for Jesus, the wise man in his court. And so <clears throat> as a result of this, they're, they're coming into the court. Let me go back to Matthew again in chapter two, because there's some interesting, with, with having that, that little uh, brief history there, let's, let's just look at some of these verses again from Matthew, the second chapter. Verse three, first of all, let's, let's look at verse three. It says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Why do you think King Herod was troubled by wise men coming into his turf? What's, what's the problem with wise people coming to your country? What's, what's, the, what, what, what's the issue here? Well, first of all, you know, we, we see here that, uh, that he knew that wise men, King Herod obviously knew, knew the inner workings of government, and he knew that the wise men were very influential in kingmaking throughout the Parthian Empire, which was Rome's chief rival. So these are basically Herod's chief rivals were coming in here. And this group of travelers, for this group of travelers to arrive into Herod's territory, into his turf, while his own army is preoccupied, what's going on at this particular time? That the, the census is taking place. So they're preoccupied with the census. And this was very troubling for Herod. 
And another band of leaders is coming in and, 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 and his security detail is busy doing something else. So he's, he's very troubled, especially when, especially when he hears that they came and they are inquiring, where is the king of the Jews? King Herod and his people are being asked, where is the king? I mean, that right there put Herod over the edge. Wait a minute, I'm king of Rome. I'm the king here. This is my palace. This is my territory. And here these wise men are who are very influential in making kings, developing kings, trend grooming kings, people to be kings, is in here inquiring, where is the king? So that's why he's very unsettled. He's, he's, he's very upset about this because he's very intimidated. And so he, he's uh, not liking this at all. So the wise men in verse 11, it tells us when they find, when they find Jesus, when they find true wisdom, they do so by following the star. They followed the star. This star, I believe, was manifested as the Shekinah glory of God. I have no problem believing it was something similar to uh, the children of Israel when they had the, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, a Shekinah glory, a presence, a manifestation of God that manifested to them and then went on before them and then settled over the house where Jesus was. So they followed the star to the place where Jesus was. I want you to know that in our lives today, in, in following after the wisdom of God, we talk about, you know, the, the gift of wisdom, Jesus having been made wisdom unto us. When we're making decisions about everyday life, we're making decisions about our future, we're making even our, our present and, and, and our future, and we're endeavoring to make decisions, and we, and we want wisdom, we want the wisdom of God, we want to make the best choice. How can we do that? <clears throat> I want you to know that there's a, God still has plenty of stars in our lives today. A star in your life may be your mom and dad. It may be a school teacher. It may be an acquaintance, whoever it may be, but someone who is influential and brings, reveals a right path. Someone who shines a light on truth. Someone who shines a light on Wisdom from heaven that is pure and gentle and peaceful and so forth, contrary to the wisdom of this world, which is full of strife and division. So there's plenty of stars in our lives today. So always be thankful for the stars in your life, the people that pointed you to wisdom in the first place, pointed you to Christ in the first place. In my instance, one of the first influences for me into in receiving Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I knew about God, I believed God, and I knew about Jesus, celebrated Christmas, but as far as making it personal, uh, probably the first star in my life in that, in that area was, the, was my employer that I worked for. He was, he was very uh, passionate about God and had a, had a love for God. And, and, and so he was very influential and starting to point me in the direction of this is not just about knowing about God or just knowing about Jesus. This is about a personal relationship, accepting him as your own personal Lord and Savior. So he, I always consider him when I look at, when I look at the, my story, how I came into a personal relationship is that I, I look to him as a person that really set me on that right course. So you and your life have someone that you can point to or multiple people you can point to that were stars in your life. And again, whether it's parents or a teacher or uh, someone influential in your life and, and thank God for the stars in your life. So, <clears throat> so the wise men, they find Jesus. 
He is, the, he is wisdom, and there's plenty of stars leading you to wisdom. And when they get there, they present their gifts to him. Gold, which is t- t- uh, symbolic of his royalty. Uh, the, the, the very expensive fragrance, which is symbolic of his deity. And then the, the myrrh, which was an embalming uh, mixture that they used, which is symbolic of uh, the ultimate reason that he came was, was to sacrifice his life on the cross and shed his blood for the remission of all of our sin. And I also find it interesting when we, uh, at the end of this uh, portion of scripture that I read this morning, verse 12, and being warned in a dream. So here are the wise men. They're, they're, they're the ones that are very accustomed to interpreting dreams. This is what they do. This is what they have been trained in. But even though it's in an, an occultish way, in a, in a worldly way, <clears throat> But this is what they were trained in, and now all of a sudden they are being warned in a dream to depart, not to return to Herod. They departed to their own country in another way. I personally think that, that another, they departed another way first and foremost. It's geographically. They went a different way. You know, it's just not, not any different than today. You pull up your Apple map and it takes you to your destination one way. And when you're ready to go home, you pull up the Apple map and it may take you home a different way because of traffic or whatever. So here they, they were warned to go in a different way and it's because of uh, Herod's motives. But they went another way geographically. But I also believe that they went another way spiritually. I believe when they came, these wise men trained in the occult, trained in the magic, all the things that they were groomed in, very influential in developing kings over various kingdoms, all of a sudden they find true wisdom. The star led them to him who has been made wisdom unto us. He has been made wisdom unto us. Now let me close by reading this verse again from 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30. It says, but it is from him that you are in Christ who became to us wisdom from God. What does this wisdom do for us? It reveals his plan of salvation, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That, and he has been made unto us righteousness, meaning he made us acceptable to God. Thank God for that. And he is our sanctification, making us holy, setting us apart to God, and redemption, providing our ransom for the penalty of sin. In Colossians 2 and verse 3, tells us that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. So thank God for the wisdom of God. Amen. He is your salvation. He is your redemption. He is your all in all. He's everything you ever need. And what's really neat about him is that he is interested in leading us. Jesus himself grew in wisdom and in favor. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor. And we believe that we are always growing in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with, our, with God and with our fellow man. Amen. Okay, would you please stand? <clears throat> Father, thank you for the wisdom of God, true wisdom from God. There's so many voices, so many things at our disposal that are clamoring to to be the truth, but there's one truth, 
and as a true and living God. And we thank you that you have been made wisdom unto us, that we're not, in, we're not being ignorant, but Lord God, we're, we're putting our trust and our confidence in you, and we thank you for it. So thank you, Lord God, for this morning as we're able to come together and, and to honor you, worshiping you, to honor you by just, again, being reminded of the true gift of Christmas is that you have been made grace unto us, that, Lord God, that you are our confident assurance, that you are our peace, and that you have been made wisdom unto us. And we can close this year out gracefully, and we can go into the new year triumphantly in the wisdom and the grace and confident assurance, coupled with peace that surpasses all understanding. It's in Jesus' name I pray. All the people said, Amen. Well, again, I want to say it on behalf of my family right here, Nancy and Megan and Tyler. Tyler's the taller of the three there. And <laughs> we want to say to you all, we love you and Merry Christmas, and we will see you sometime next year. Amen. God bless you. Have a great, great rest of the day. Enjoy the love and the family and be safe. God bless.